down the lights Yeah, we know where we're going, baby I don't need my eyes To know I loved you From the moment I saw your face Ooh, I'll be your last first kiss Ooh, I know this Let's take the time like it's our only time And try to hold the night Stop this world from spinning Back to the beginning well, I can wait to consummate this love that you and I will make Something worth the saving Yeah, you were worth the waiting It's like you don't see That you could have anything Thank you for staying Thank you for waiting Waiting on me The song you just heard is uh, one that was written by my good buddy Chris Blair. And you've heard a little bit about Chris through the Listening Room Cafe. He is the uh, proprietor of that great establishment. And uh, I was just there this past weekend, and Chris has been on my list for a while. He was uh, one of the early people that I wanted to talk to and have a conversation with for the uh, for the podcast. So now you get to hear a little more about the Listening Room through Chris's words. And I think you're going to enjoy it. It's a, it's a great place. I've been down there a lot over the years. I've helped him out here and there when I go down to visit. And it's just been a lot of fun. I've met some amazing songwriters. I've heard some amazing songs. And one of the big things is, is a story behind the song. And Chris has a, a podcast uh, where he interviews people and they talk about that. And you get a little more behind the scenes. But with this, uh, I talk a little bit more about what he's been doing and and what uh, what makes him tick. So I think you're going to enjoy it. And I can't uh, I can't thank Dr. Mark Holland enough for his sponsorship. First Capital Chiropractic is one of his locations. He's also available in North St. Louis County for you St. Louisans. Chris Blair, he's from St. Louis, and uh, he's been fortunate. Uh, he hasn't had too many car wrecks, although one time he did roll his vehicle with this trailer when he was going to a show. And I, I know that threw his back off. This was back uh, around the time when I first met him, uh, around 2003. So this is a little bit after, uh, at one point I went down to visit him and he was, he was having a show and he, he didn't have his trailer at that point. So it's anything could happen. And when you get into an accident, your back can get thrown out. Spine can be a little messed up and a chiropractor is someone that can help you with that. And Dr. Mark Holland is is the person of choice who I go to. Dr. Holland's been a, a great friend and very supportive, and uh, he'll be happy to take care of you. So you can reach him at a couple of places, mystlouischiropractor.com, also chiroandrehab.com, 636-946-7777 is his number. And uh, once again, Dr. Mark Holland, without further ado... Here he is, my my good friend, Chris Blair. We just experienced the 10th anniversary weekend, and I had a blast. How, how are you feeling right now? Man, it's so surreal. It was just absolutely incredible. Um, just the the overwhelming outpouring of, uh, you know, just love and support with people like you that, that came down from St. Louis and, you know, my family and 
uh, people drove from, you know, Birmingham and yeah, all over the place. And it's just, you know, to have a sold out, uh, show with, with people like that, that came in all weekend and then all the songwriters and the artists, you know I mean? Just picking up the phone and, and calling guys like Lone Star who have, you know, were back in the day a, a band that I looked up to and, um, you know, just kind of, uh, idolized in, in a way as an artist myself, you know, and now to be able to call those guys true friends and make a, make a phone call and, and have Richie McDonald and Dean Sams and like the whole crew just go, absolutely. We'll be there. And, um, you know, Kiefer from Thompson square and Christian Bush from Sugarland, And I'm Craig Campbell, uh, who's been, you know, just a dear friend and supporter, all the, all the songwriters, man, it, it was just, yeah, overwhelming and surreal. And, um, just, I'm, I'm just on cloud nine. One thing that, that we had talked about and I had noticed, so you played your round and, uh, it was a lot of fun. And then people are coming up to you and, and saying, Oh, I'm surprised. I, I didn't know you played. I thought you just ran this place. <laughs> I mean, it, is that something you hear a lot? Yeah, I do. You know I mean? When I, uh, my whole idea of starting the listening room back in the day, you know, was, because I was a singer songwriter myself and I was like, Hey man, you know, this would be really cool to have, have my own little spot where, you know, I can get together with all my songwriting buddies and we can, we can play a show anytime we want and, you know, build a place around the music and, and all of that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, as the years have gone on, uh, my life as a songwriter has kind of taken a back seat because I'm running a business. Um, but I, I love it. And I, uh, you know, when I do get to jump on stage and, and play my songs and, uh, and do that, I, I get a lot of that, you know, I get a lot of people that come up and I, I didn't know you sang, I didn't know you wrote, you know, kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm more known as the owner of the listening room and not Chris Blair, the songwriter, but that's okay. <laughs> I, I love doing both. And you've always, you've always been an entrepreneur. You've always had great business sense and you've always been very diverse and eclectic. It's sometimes I think like, damn it, how does Chris do all this? I mean, I, I feel somewhat envious because I'm thinking like, wow, man, Chris is also a pilot. And so you're doing that <laughs> and you, you have all these talents and all these things you're doing. How, how do you balance it all out? Well, first of all, man, thank you. I think you're giving me too much credit, but, uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I, uh, if you asked my wife that she would say it's because I don't rest and I don't, I don't sleep. And, you know, I'm just constantly going, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm always on my phone. I'm always trying to come up with the next idea. Um, you know, looking how to, how do I expand this, this listening room concept to other cities? How do I, you know, expand into, um, having my own label and, you know, all that kind of thing. And even the, even the, the being a pilot, um, you know, there's an ulterior motive right there too, because number one, I've always loved the idea of flying. So I, I wanted to do it because I've always wanted to be a, a pilot, but it's also because long-term it's that idea of, I, I want to expand this, this concept into different cities and, um, you know, I'll just fly myself to, <laughs> to these other locations. So, you know, it's always kind of the business idea and just not resting. So I, I don't know. I don't, it's just kind of what I do. Well, maybe in essence that the flying is a little bit of a rest and relaxation. Although I don't know, maybe your your mind's going in many different directions as, as mine does. When I'm driving, when I come down here, I'm driving down here. It seems like I get great ideas, right? And it's a good chance. But but it is relaxing because I don't have as many options. 
So it's just like, okay, I can't edit photos. I can't do this. I can't do that. So it's more the idea phase and then connecting with people and networking and all that. So maybe I shouldn't be speaking on the phone while I'm driving, but yeah, yeah it happens. It's better than texting. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. But now one thing you just had mentioned, so you mentioned your wife and this is, this is something new for you in the past few months. How has being married, how has that changed your life? Oh man. Um, in every way imaginable. I mean, it's, you know, Brittany, um, I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily looking for anybody. You know, I, I, I have been married to my job for, you know, 10 years, you know, it, it's, um, although I've had some, you know, good relationships through those times, it, it was kind of a common thing that I always heard when the relationships were coming to an end is like, Hey, um, uh, and this may be just a, a female thing. I don't know, but you know, it was kind of like, Hey, I, I don't feel first in your life. And it was, you know, it, it's uh, actually, it's not a female thing. And you know, it's, it's, it's right. Any, any it's human thing. Yeah, yeah. Any, any relationship they, you know, they should, whether, you know, it's, it's on either side, you know, you, they should be the most important thing. And, um, when it got down to it, it just, uh, nobody ever was. And, um, you know, that was because nobody was Brittany you know, and it's just, um, there is someone that is in, is more important to me now than the listening room or emerge Nashville or flying a plane or, or, or any of that. And, um, you know, to have a, a, a whirlwind of emotions just hit you smack in the face, just, you know, right after meeting someone, you know, I mean, you know, my mom and dad, you know, and I think that's another issue that I've had, you know, taking 39 years to find someone and, you know, barely sliding in there and getting married right before 40, which I did on purpose, by the way. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I always compared relationships to my parents and that's a very rare thing, what my parents have. And, you know, it took me a long time to figure that out and a lot of broken relationships because I'd have an argument and, you know, I would be like, well, we had an argument, so this isn't going to work, you know, um, when in reality it's, you know, that's just part of being in a relationship. And, uh, you know, so I, I going back to, I, I wasn't, I wasn't really looking, I wasn't, you know, I was focused on music and, and the listening room and all this kind of thing. And then, you know, I met her and, um, all of a sudden it was like, it, it just, nothing else mattered as much, you know, and, um, she's my best friend. She's my soulmate. She's, you know, she's just the best thing that's ever happened. So how's that, how's that changed my life? Um, you know, it's made me slow down, you know, it's still hard and, and I still get the looks from her, you know, and like, you know, where we're sitting on the couch, you know, watching a movie together or something. And I'm on my phone doing emails at the same time. And she's like, <laughs> can, can you just, can you stop it for like a minute and just relax? But you know, she makes me, she makes me get, you know, realize, you know, what, what is important, you know, and, um, her and my daughter Emerson are, are, they're the ones that matter. And, um, yeah, she's the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I, from my observation, so we went, uh, you and I went over the listening room a little early on, on Saturday. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then when Brittany arrived, I just see her jump in. She starts helping out. It's just like, there's this right hand person, you know? And she, she jumped in and she compliments you really well. She does. So you yeah. just like, she, it just seemed 
like jumped forward and, and took care of things and was seeing the big picture. And I thought that was pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's been like that from the beginning, you know, she just, she, she is a part of everything that I do and and I'm a part of everything that she does, you know, and like her, her passion and career as an esthetician, you know, I just light up when I, you know, hear her talking about that. And I, I, you know, talk to somebody that, brings up skincare or something like that. And I'm like, Oh, you've got to talk to my wife, you know? And with the listening room, yeah, it's the same thing. She just, she doesn't do it because she has to, she does it because she loves me and she, and, and we've got this team and, um, you know, we're, we're, a we're a family and we're, we're teammates and, um, you know, I, I it was worth the wait, you know? Nice. Nice. And how does having that support? I know running any business, especially a restaurant, I, I mean, in a, in a venue, a nightclub venue restaurant it's you offer so much there but any type of business and undertaking like that when you're dealing with a lot of team members it can be very stressful you deal with personalities and everything sure how is it having that support at home on a nightly basis because you've always had great support from friends and family but now you have that person that is is with you a majority of the time how does having Brittany, how does that affect the stress level of dealing with the myriad of decisions and, and the little stressors that happen throughout the day? You know, I don't think, uh, I would say it's not a stress. It's, it's a good thing. It's nice to be able to have, um, well, let me, let me take it back. So when you're dealing with a lot of managers, you're right. There's a lot of different personalities and, and everything. And I think, you know, I'll call it, uh, you know, uh, before Brittany time period, um, <laughs> you know, when I had big decisions to make or, you know, conflicts that I'm trying to work through or ideas, um, those other managers would be who I, who I leaned on, you know, and I still do, you know, the guys like Chase Armstrong, he's been with me since he was a, a intern and it's still in college. And I love that guy to death. And, you know, I'm just so grateful of what he does for, for me and everything. Um, you know, and, and, I still will lean on him for a lot of things, but you know, I think that the, the cool thing is that now I've got this, this person in Brittany that I know she's not going anywhere, no matter what decision I make, you know what I mean? So yeah. And that was looking at more of that personal level of knowing that you, you have that person that that's with you no matter what. Right. So, you know, a lot of times when I would, uh, when I would lean on my managers and, you know, maybe they all, thought one way. And, uh, at the end of the day, I, I thought the other, you know, and there's been a lot of times where, you know, I'll, I'll think one way and then I get a lot of feedback from them. And then I'll say, you know what, I don't think my way is the best way. Let's, let's do it your way. But I I think, you know, that kind of thing where, um, there's always that, that thought in the back of my mind of like, um, man, I hope this decision isn't going to affect these guys because I love them. You know, they're, they're my management. They're my, they're my family. You know, I hope I don't upset them. I hope I don't let them down or, or whatever. And with Brittany, you know, kind of that uh, that cool feeling is that I can lean on her and not that she's going to agree with everything that I decide at the end of the day and that's as good. well. Yeah, that's good um, she can give me her input and say, well, you know, this is what I think. This is what I, you know, whatever. And, um, and it's nice to have someone that's so attached to the business as well um, that can do that. Now, the flip side of that, is that I, I, as a guy and, uh, you not a very good communicator all the time <laughs> when I'm, when I'm 
knees deep in it all day long, which I am from, you know, I mean, I'm reading my emails before I'm out of bed every day. That's the first thing I do is I get on my phone and I start reading emails and okay, what do I need to take care of? You know? And, um, and I do that until I go to bed and I dream about it and all this kind of stuff. Well, so the flip side of it is when she gets home and you know, she's like, Hey, how was your day? What, you know, what's going on with work and everything? female perspective. They love to communicate. They love details. And I don't always like to give them, um, you know, so, you know, I think it goes both ways, but it's, it's definitely, um, it's definitely nice to have that, that better half that, you know, kind of keeps me in line and keeps me grounded. That's cool. And your staff uh, over the years, I've met a lot of your staff. There's numerous great people that I've met and you know, there is turnover that's common in the restaurant business, but I think one thing that, that stands out is it seems like you've gone through more chefs and Spinal Tap has drummers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how does... What is it about chefs, man? Like, yeah, I know. Yeah, what is... Uh, I mean, just why is that? I'm, I mean, what's... I have no idea, man. It's just, yeah, it's, you know, we've got a great one right now. Um I hope he sticks around. He's he's the best one I've ever had. Nice, um, but uh, you know it's that food, man. It was I'm trying to, he's to cut back, but I just yeah, it was the flavor was so good. I just had to go all out. Yeah, yeah. he's he's great. He's great. Yeah, and I think part of it may be my philosophy. Of course, that's another creative field. Being a creative person, I know I'm a little weird at times, and I think maybe that's it. If you if maybe your name is not above that, the the title of the restaurant, or if it be you a know, Wolfgang Puck or somebody like that, it's just, I don't know, maybe just as you are with songwriting, that person maybe is looking for their identity and it's more difficult when you're, I don't working for somebody else. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, the you know, stress I, of it. Maybe it's just like, you you only have so long before you have to have to move on and change things up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, I've one thing I've learned in and you know running this business for so long is you know it really it used to really affect me and and you know just bring me completely down you know as soon as there was a thought of not just a kitchen guy you know but you know anybody leaving you know it was like oh well you know what what did I do wrong as an owner and mm-hmm. and a and a manager you know like wh- why why is this turnover and you know I, I've learned to just it doesn't affect me anymore. You know I mean? It's always hard when I lose somebody good and I've mm-hmm. got to go back to the drawing board and find somebody else. But Hey, you know, one thing I've learned is that there's always somebody else out there. And, um, you know, it seems like anytime I've gone through this, this emotion or feeling of like, Oh man, I don't know what I'm going to do with this person. The next person that comes along is even better. So yeah, I just t- kind of take it with strides and I've learned that uh, it's just part of owning a business is that, you know, you're going to have those guys that stick around. You're going to have those guys that, that, that move on. Definitely. So now the, the listening room is in its third incarnation. So you started out in Franklin, which for listeners who aren't familiar with Tennessee, Franklin is it's South, right? Right. It's about 15, 20 minutes yeah. uh, South of a lot downtown. of, a lot of ranches, a lot of, I mean, it's kind of a diverse area, but you started out in, as there's a, there's a lot of singer songwriter venues that I've heard of over the years that started in Franklin. What, you know, how, what was unique to that location? Uh, well, I can't really, uh, truly answer that because, um, you know, most people know I didn't, I didn't start the listening room. Um, you know, I've been involved for nine of the 10 years now, but, um, the listening room was started by another gentleman and that, and so, you know, he picked that location and, and I, uh, as a singer songwriter, I just started playing around, um, you know, different, 
different venues and actually um, came up with the idea of starting a quote unquote listening room uh, that I wanted to build around the sound and have the best sound in Nashville. And I wanted it to feel like, you know, you were sitting at home in your family room and just, you know, just a very comfortable, true experience. And um, so I, you know, when I, when I first uh, um, found the listening room in Franklin, I number one loved the name. It was, ba- it was exactly what I was looking for. Yeah, it's a fantastic name. And, um, and you know, I, I, uh, I loved the concept of the, of what they were doing. So the, the name, the listening room cafe, that cafe becomes from, because that's exactly what it was. It was like a 30 seat cafe. Um, I became involved and started working with them in 2007 and, um, talking about, you know, I wanted to move this to, uh, to downtown and all of that kind of thing. So we partnered up and, and moved it to Cummins station, which was the second location in, uh, 2008, yeah, and I know um, Brian White the other day, and and Brian is a phenomenal songwriter who's been a good friend yeah. of yours. He had mentioned he complimented you on your courage to take a venue like that and bring it downtown because there there just wasn't as many venues. And and even today, what everybody says is, I mean, I just constantly heard everyone thanking you for having such a great venue downtown because Bluebird is is in the suburbs or it's just a little little further out, correct? Right. So you are you the only quote unquote listening room that is is in the downtown area? Uh yes. I, I you know, I mean there's some other great venues that are uh, you know, pretty close to us. Um you know, there's Twelfth and Porter, there's Third and Lindsley, there's Douglas Corner, you know, those are those are all kind of within that quote unquote downtown area. Um we're definitely the only one that's like literally right downtown, right off of Broadway, so to speak. Um, but the other, even the other venues, um, and I'm not, you know, they, they all do their own individual things very well. And I've enjoyed Um, all those venues. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. They're, they're great. And there's definitely a need for, for all of them. I just felt like, um, there was a big disconnect in, in Nashville of a place where the music could be heard, you know? And for me, it was, um, you know, not mentioning, you know, anything by name, but there was some that I would go in and it was, it was apparent to me that it was built around the bar business, you know, or, or the restaurant or, or whatever. And yeah, at the end of the day, that's how we pay our bills. You know, if people just came in to listen to the music and they didn't buy our food and buy our drinks and all that, we'd be out of business. But for me, it was a, it was that leap of faith and, and trusting that, um, Hey, you know, I, I feel like this is a big miss and, um, I'm going to build it around the music first and if it works great. And if not, then, then at least I gave it a shot and I, and I stayed true to what's most important for me. And that's those people that sit on stage. Uh, you know, I mean, these guys go into a room and I'm sure we'll talk about more of that later, but these guys go in there in, the, in a room and they, they write these incredible songs, you know, and then when they go in and play them in, in a, in a place and, um, you know, people aren't really listening and they're, they're, they're talking, they're, they're, you know, flipping drinks behind the bar and all that. To me, that was just a big miss. And so, yeah, I just, I wanted to make that move and leave Franklin and get back downtown. And up until that point, you know, nobody had really challenged that. The other, the other venues that I mentioned, you know, they were more, and they still are, they're more, they're more of like those band showcases that, you know, they've got their lighting shows, they've got their smoke and, you know, um, bigger stages for, you know, 12 piece bands, you know, and really the only true songwriter venue 
uh, around was the Bluebird. And which is yeah, well known and, and it's, it's yeah, legendary venue. Legendary. Um, you know, it, and but nobody had really challenged that or, or tried to do something similar. And I was like, you know, I just Or compliment it. Yeah. Um and so, you know, that's kind of where, you know, going back to, you know, that sitting sitting down with Brian, um, yeah, you know, I called him and was like, Look, man, here's my idea, but is this a is this like what do you think? Like how can we take what the Bluebird offers that is just you know, iconic. I mean, Nashville, Nashville needs the bluebird, you know I mean? It's just, it's an incredible, incredible spot. And, um, you know, I love, I love the place. Um, but how do we take what they're doing and, you know, what all these other venues are doing and, and kind of combine them and, and bring this to downtown Nashville. And he was one of the first guys that, you know, really sat down with me at Starbucks and, you know, kind of hashed through some of my ideas and, gave me from a songwriter's perspective, you know, Hey, what, here's what I like about these other places. Here's what I don't. And it was, it was cool to have people like people like Brian white in my corner. So that's fantastic. And it's been, for me, it's been an honor and it's been a lot of fun to meet people like Brian and to hear him on stage and hear the stories, but then to be hanging out and having a meal and having a drink and then to hear more of the stories mm-hmm. and you, you know, you, you've been privileged to know so many people and, and me as well. When, when I'm with you and you've been gracious and in introducing me, Jim Peterick, that that's probably one of my uh, best meets. Yeah. Cause years back I was, I was partnered up with somebody, you know, former business partner and they were talking about remixing eye of the tiger. And we were talking about putting some things with brands and, and I'd never met the guy, but he's also has written, you've written with him and he's yep. also has, has done a lot of co-writes with uh, my friend, Anthony Gomes. Mm-hmm. And who's who's a blues guy who's who's up for up for a Grammy in blues this year, which is really cool to, That's to awesome. hear that. So he's been working hard and always touring. And so I had heard about Jim a little bit through Anthony and then just a little research on the Internet. And I'm just writing these action spots and things for I would say at first it started out. We were thinking Bud Light. And then I'm like, wait a second, let's do Red Bull. So I'm just kind of these little spec spots, just having fun and yeah. trying to expand my craft. And it would be a cool idea to see visually. And then you you tell me, you say, hey, we had a special guest. And yeah, I'm not. And you kept it a secret. And, and you didn't even know I had done all this. And then he comes up there and I was like, oh, Chris, Chris, now this is even special. I tell you that whole story. Yep. It's like I kind of have this connection in my head from these little stories I've written and through other people that know him. And it was it was amazing. Then we went and hung out with Jim and he uh, great time with him. And then I, I just say, Jim, let me walk you back. Let's continue the conversation. I'll walk you back to your your vehicle and and say good night. And he's like, hey, man, can we go grab an ice cream? And we go over there and people, <laughs> it's like, yeah. he's like, you, you want an ice cream? So I have an ice cream with Jim Peterick and all these people, some people who knew survivors music and then others who didn't, but he just has such a cool look and everything. They're like, we have to get our picture taken with this guy. Yeah. And it's just, and yeah, that's just something that just a memorable experience that I thank you for. Yeah. I just can't thank you enough. It was just such a fun time. Oh man. Thanks. Now, when when you you've had so many people up on the stage, so a lot of great songwriters who people don't necessarily know who they are. Now, how is it explained to the listeners who haven't been in the listening room? Because I'm I'm encouraging people to check it out. How is it when someone goes in and they say, "Oh yeah, yeah, I've I've heard this song," and maybe think it's a cover song? How is that experience when they actually hear that this is the person that either maybe wrote it with that artist? or that artist picked it up? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's. I think most people now, when they come to the listening room, they kind of understand that that's what they're coming for. But yeah, you go a block away down the street, and that's what you're going to hear. You know, you're going to hear Dixieland Delight, and you know the you know all the all the cover songs that you know every band on Broadway plays, and uh, you know then you walk into the listening room, and you may still hear that same song, but you're going to hear it from the perspective of the songwriter, why I wrote that, you know, and all of that kind of thing. And some people still don't understand it when they come in. And I think then it's just the wow factor. I mean, you talk about Jim Peterick. I mean, one of the first times that I took him up on stage, you know, he, he came into town and he, and, and, you know, I didn't know he was coming in and he, he called me and I was down at the listening room. He, he calls my, my phone and, you know, you just got to know Jim, but he's like, uh, yo, uh, yo, Chris Blair, man, this is Jim Peterick. I'm in town. I'm right down the road. I'm coming to hang out with you, man. Like I'm coming right now, you know? And like, he's just so exciting and like a rocker, you know, like always like, yes. And I love that about him. And, uh, so <laughs> he comes down. Well, it happened to be like in between shows. Right. So everybody's just kind of like mingling and we're, we're about to flip the room. He's got purple leather pants on <laughs> that was um, the night i was there it was amazing uh, you know a purple like jacket <laughs> um leopard shirt you know and, you know his hair is like feathered back yellow you know, scarf like, yellow headband yes and the purple tinted glasses exactly right so you know people he walks in and you, you know everybody's like who in the beep is this guy right <laughs> so yeah. you know but little do they know like this guy's a legend you know and and i'm honored to to call him my friend and so i go up on stage and i'm like hey guys you know and he's standing beside me and everybody's like you know really who the hell is this and and i get to and i get to say you guys might have heard of uh you know a, a little band called survivor and uh you know uh sylvester stallone calling this dude to you know ask him to write this song for this little movie called rocky you know and you know and just so it, then he gets to tell the story and you know um a woman like you uh you know, flip it back to like another songwriter. That's not like, you know, Jim is, is more of that artist, you know, a woman like you, John Stone, Johnny Bulford, Phil Barton, all three, you know, great friends of mine to, to hear them play. And they all three have like kind of their own rendition of this, but they, they wrote a woman like you for Lee Bryce together. So when, when they're on stage and, you know, they talk about the fact that they got together and, this is what songwriters do. And they just start talking about what's going on where, you know, Johnny's uh, girlfriend, um, you know, had a lot of throw pillows on the bed and, you know, um, all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, they start talking about, you know, what, what I would do if I didn't have her, you know, and, you know, maybe eat a little bit more fried chicken and gain weight. And maybe I'd go out more and, you know, all this kind of thing. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, if I'd have never met you, um, I'd be looking for a woman just like you, you know, and it's through conversation like that, that they come up with this brilliant masterpiece that, you know, John takes to Lee Bryce that night and says, dude, you gotta, you gotta hear this. And Lee's like, I gotta have it. And he's cutting it, you know, and it, you know, it becomes, you know, all of their, uh, you know, first number one, you know, it's great. So that's what people get when they come to the listening room is yeah, they may think it's a cover song at first, but then when those artists that, that start talking and, and they are our artists, whether they're a, just a songwriter, um, 
quote unquote, just a songwriter or whether they're like an aspiring artist that writes songs um, or, or they're the guys like our, that, like Jim Peterick who have done the, the artist. Yeah. The performer, yes, so to you know, say that stage presence, they're, that they're, guy that's touring. Yeah. They're, they're all, they're all artists in their own, in their own way. And to hear them, you know, talk about, why they wrote a song. I mean, you may come in and it may be a song that you've loved listening to on the radio. And now when you leave the listening room, you've come in, you've had a great dinner, you've had some incredible drinks and you walk out of there and you never, you're never going to hear that song the same way because now you know what the true meaning behind it was, why it was written, who it was written for, you know, it's just that it's just so special because that is, that's the bloodline uh, of, of what music is all about, you know, and, and most people unfortunately don't get to experience that they hear it on the radio and they say, I like this song or I don't like that song. Um, but why was it written? When was it written? Where was it written? You, you know, all those kind of things. That's what we love to share with, with the guests that come in and, and sit in the listening room for two hours out of their evening to, to listen to these guys. Now yourself as an artist, where do you draw your, and, and that's one thing you had just mentioned was the stories behind the song and you've lived a great life. You have stories, just conversations where, where we've had, where there's little, little ideas that are fun. Where's your biggest inspiration for the stories that you turn into a song? Uh, well, my wife might listen to this podcast. So I'm going to say that my wife is like my biggest inspiration in everything that I do. And I love you so much, Brittany. How's that? <laughs> That's good. So now she is, now that she's in your life, she's the biggest inspiration and you no, wrote uh, an amazing song for your wedding for her. Yeah, I actually did. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, honestly, to answer that question. Yeah. It's just a matter. I think, I think this goes for most songwriters. It's not a, it's not a matter of, of who are, are what the inspiration is. It's when, you know, it's, um, I've said it many times. You, the majority of my friends are creative people, whether they're songwriters or not, you know, you, um, you know, you're, you are, you're a visionary, you know? And I think, I think people like that, 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 you know, are, are songwriters and creatives. Um, you don't really meet a whole lot of unhappy ones. Um, sure. We all have our bad days, you know, but, um, one of the things that we get on a daily basis when, when we're, when we're truly working that art, so to speak is, um, is therapy. And especially for songwriters, you know, I go into a room and there's sometimes where I go into a room based on who I'm writing with. And I kind of have an idea of the type of song or, or all that, but it goes back to the when, um, when I write and, what's going on in my life, what's going on in their life, what's going on in the world. You know, when, when is it that I'm sitting down with this person? And that's where the true inspiration comes from. And, you know, I think the songs that I would say that I've written that are, are closest and dearest to, to me are those ones that were written because of, of the win and, and what was going on that time. And, um, you know, there was true meaning for them in conversation, uh, beforehand that led to, Hey, let's develop this song. Um, and those are the ones that, that I, I don't know, for me, at least seem more deep and, uh, and true when, when you get them on paper and, and all that. So, and are some of your early songs, 
you've written about your family because I know your family you're real close with, and they're they've been an inspiration. One of the yeah. early songs that I'd heard you write when we first met was the song about your grandfather. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty amazing, and you just, that was one of the songs you played in your in your round the other day. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, it's yeah, it's uh, all those songs that were true meanings. I mean, going back to, you know, even as an artist, I put three songs out to radio in 98, 99 and, you know, was lucky enough to have a a number one hit with the song that I wrote for my dad called Just Like You. And, um, you know, it it was a let me rephrase that as number one hit on the independent chart. So what does that mean? Really? I have no idea. But, you know, it was really cool to to see great when you're starting out. Yeah. I mean, that's that's amazing. Yeah. And it it was and that was because my dad was turning 50 and, you know, I was like, hey, I need to I need to get my dad a gift. But I'm in college and I'm broke. And, you know, if I do have money at that time in my life, it was going to, to beer and partying and you know so <laughs> my mom says write a song for your dad like write write a song and so that's what I did and it was there was meaning behind it and you know a song about my grandpa um you know my grandpa was one of the most brilliant kind loving people I've ever met in my life and he literally would drive down the street and you know it, it was almost like he had a finger twitch you know like He'd have his, his, have his hand up on the top of a steering wheel and that pointer finger would just pop up, pop up, pop up every, every time we pass somebody, you know, and that was the kind of guy that my grandpa was. And I remember asking him like, you know, do you, do you know everybody in this town? And the real answer to that was he probably knew the majority of them. But what he said to me was, uh, well, I, I know a lot of them, but, uh, I don't want to pass somebody and not wave in case I do know them because I don't want to hurt their feelings. You know what I mean? He just cared about everybody. And, you know, so when he passed, um, you know, I sat down with my buddy, Noel Billings from blackjack Billy and, um, Noel came from Kennett, Missouri, where my grandpa was from and he knew him and, you know, we just started talking about that. So going back to the win, we had planned to write that day, but we had no idea what we were going to write about. And we just started talking about how cool Kennett was and small towns and, you know, cotton fields and all of this. And then it, it led into conversation about my grandpa and, um, you know, how cool he was and caring and, you know, you know, all, all the things that he learned back before he was grandpa. And that's where that song came from, you know, and back before I was grandpa. And so, yeah, it was cool. That's great. When did you first start playing music or pick up an instrument or, or start writing? How, what's your what's your story? Was this when you were a, a young child or was it later in life? Yeah, I started uh, I started taking piano lessons when I was six and, um, you know, stayed stayed with that for a little bit. And then I got away from it for years. Um, and then, you know, kind of through school, I was always I, I, I played trumpet um and, uh, and was in choir and, and, you know, all of that, um, my entire, my entire life, um, and went to college on a, on a scholarship for, for trumpet. And, uh, you know, then quickly realized that, you know, going from a guy that was first chair trumpet from, from very first day and playing all the solos and the fun parts going to college and competing with, you know, these incredible 
musicians and going to third chair and playing like you know like not the fun parts <laughs> yeah uh you know i i i didn't stick with it um and decided that fraternity life and and you know college life was uh was more fun than being in marching band um but you know then i kind of got into guitar um right around then um and uh just i i kind of taught myself how to play guitar and then picked up piano a little bit uh again and you know it's just i've always had to have you know something musical in my in my hand whether it's you know just my vocal cords or our uh you know guitar or piano or you know even drums and that's really really bad when i get drumsticks in my hand but i still love playing <laughs> That's cool. And one, and I have my nephew in drum lessons and one of my sponsors is Dale's music. So he's been yeah. studying over there and, uh, David, my nephew, he's enjoying it. So for, for five months he took lessons, he's taking a little break now, but, uh, his, his drum teacher, Kevin McDonald at Dale's has been great. And I think it's good for kids to learn early and kind of pick up the vocabulary and just get into it and then and then move on and and you know of Dale's from from being from St. Louis and you can get I can't say enough about him this is our little plug for them as well but yeah if if you need an instrument fix you can go to Dale's if you want lessons for kids if you want to get some lessons you know I've taken a few lessons there and they're great Greg over there is wonderful I'm trying to bring Pino up there to maybe do like a drum clinic for more experienced drummers and give them a step up yeah but uh you know, Dale's the, for those listeners who are interested, I have them listed in the uh, description of the show in, uh, in iTunes and SoundCloud. So give Greg a call if you're interested, check it out. And, uh, it's a great place. So here's a guy in Nashville that knows about it from St. Louis and he just, yeah, Dale's. So check them out. They're, they're good people. Yeah. He's great. You know, to, to add to your plug there, you know, I've, I've heard you talk about them on, on other podcasts. And one of the cool things that I think is that, um, you know, whether it's four or five weeks in a month, uh, you know, they charge the same thing and their, their instruments, their, um, their equipment, everything, these, these little, uh, guitar picks that I have over here that said Chris Blair, Dale's actually made those for me. I did not know that. So yeah, awesome. back. Yeah. They, so they, they did my uh, custom guitar pick. So yeah, it's a great place. I love it. Yeah. They're great. Another sponsor. And this is a friend of mine who I want you to meet as well. And we've had a bunch of crossover with friends over the years, but, uh, Kevin Blumenkamp, who uh, he's, a, he's living in Tennessee, so he's only about five hours away. And I keep telling him, Kevin, you have to come into town. We'll go to the listening room. We'll hang out. We'll check out some other shows. And I had mentioned he had his son this weekend, but I had mentioned this. and was like, man, if you can come down, that'd be awesome. But he uh, he's just a – I consider him a master jeweler. He'll, he'll probably say that he's not. But this guy, a lot of the stuff he does is with moving parts, and he can create anything. So at some point – I should talk to him. We should look into this is his 10th anniversary. That would have been perfect. But like somehow making your, maybe making your logo in metal or giving you that birdcage microphone in metal, a necklace or something, or maybe That'd be cool. Yeah. Maybe a surprise for that special someone in yeah. your life. I don't, if you're, well, okay, we just gave it away. <laughs> Hopefully Brittany's going to listen to this, but I mean, maybe not, but yeah, Kevin, Kevin's uh, number is on, on the show description. So when you look at that, Give him a call. I'll put a link, as always, with the uh, little animation that we put together, and you can check it out. So he's been very supportive, and I can't say enough about him. But when, so looking back, so now we know how you started in music, and guitar was later in life. But when, 
let's talk about a little bit about when you came to Nashville because you were pretty successful at that stage in your life working in you were working in banks because your degree is in is it in finance? No, my degree was in advertising and marketing. Um, and but but yeah, I, I kind of went that direction. So yeah, I'm so used to you. Your regular jobs have been in finance, so that always throws me off. No matter how many times you tell me advertising and marketing. Yeah. Uh, so I when I graduated, I, uh, I I worked in the advertising industry for for a while, and um, you know, I had a lot of fun with it. But I was, uh, you know, music was my passion. So you know, it was just kind of like, uh, what can I do where I can have my own time to do, to do music. And that's when, uh, you know, I was also always kind of in, interested in, in money and, um, you know, the, the investment part of money. So I, um, I took a summer and, um, got my degree in or not degree, but my licenses as a investment advisor. So my series six, my 63 life and health licenses and all that just to really at that point was, was, because I, I almost wanted to do it as a hobby myself and um, know more about it instead of trusting somebody else to manage my money. And, uh, you know, then I realized that, hey, if I do this, I can kind of work for myself and it gives me the time to focus on my music and do the the investment banking on the side to, to make the money to support the music. So... Yeah, I was, uh, you know, the band was doing very well in St. Louis and we were opening up for, you know, all these pretty much every major artist that came through St. Louis and touring around the around the region. And, um, and, you know, and then on the side, I was uh, I was becoming a semi successful financial advisor and bought my first house in St. Louis uh, right there in the Shrewsbury Webster Groves area. Um, my brother had just gotten married and, and he and his wife, uh, bought a house like a mile down the street. Cause we're, you know, we're so close and that was awesome. Um, and you know, right around then I, we actually, uh, we, we drove through Nashville to go on our family vacation that we take every, every third week of July and got back to St. Louis. And when I got back to St. Louis, there was a message on uh, my answer machine. You know, back then we had, we had answer machines and um, <laughs> now we're dating ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had a, I had a message from Doug Howard, uh, who at the time um, was, was running the A&R at Lyric Street Records. So, you know, they had Rascal Flats and Shadaisy and, you know, these, it was a great, great label that, that was a Disney label. And Doug had left me a message and said, Hey man, you know, I've heard some of your music and, uh, would love to talk to you. Um, I literally first off flipped out that, you know, this guy is calling me in St. Louis and liked my music so much that he was like, Hey, I want to, I want to meet with you. Um, so I called and I spoke with his assistant or something and, you know, they, they wanted to set me up this basically 15 minute interview. So I turned around and I drove back to Nashville and uh, ended up sitting in his office for over an hour and a half. And I played him several songs and, you know, songs I'd written and, and just talked about everything I'd done. And when I left that meeting, he said, uh, he said, listen, I-, I would love to work with you. And I'd love to, um, you know, kind of develop and help develop you. But you got to be here. You know, you can't do this from St. Louis and you got to you got to be a Nashvilleian. And so that's what I did. I, I went home and I. uh I put my two weeks notice in at work. Um, I put my house up on the market and 
two weeks later I was in a U-Haul driving to Nashville and I didn't have a place to live and, um, you know, ended up just making the move and took that leap. And so, you know, that's, that's what got me here. And, um, you know, yeah. Then, then once I got here, kind of went into the banking side of things, uh, again, as a, as a way to manage my time and then to play, um, I played Tootsie's five nights a week on Broadway, um, every Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night from six to 10. So I'd get up and I'd go put a suit and tie on and go play, uh, go, go play banker. Um, and then I'd get off work and I'd drive and I'd park in the alley behind Tootsie's and I'd change clothes in the back of my car and, you know, put jeans and with holes in them and boots and, you know, t-shirt on and walk in, in the back door and hit the stage and play music until 10 o'clock at night. And then, you know, did that five nights a week. So it's pretty amazing, man. Tenacious. And that's another thing. My friend of mine named Jimmy Mano, he, um, he was a producer of Stephen DC show back when you were in yeah, town. Yeah. And Jimmy, you know, I'd mentioned at one point, yeah, I'm going down to see my friend Chris, but Chris Blair. Yeah. The country guy that was, he, he'd call us all the time to get on the show and this and that. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. And that just shows your tenacious spirit. And it's, and that's what you've done down here. And, all the connections you've made. So, and, and Daryl McClanahan, another friend who I, I need yep. to reach out to, he had, he's the one who introduced us because right. you needed a concert video. And so, and Daryl at one point had stated that, yeah, I told Chris, man, you need to be in Nashville. And here you are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Moved here in 2002. So. Yeah. It's good stuff, man. I've, I've enjoyed all my time down here and the, the things we've been able to do together. Now talking a little bit more about, so, you had somebody that was interested in you writing. Do, do you have a uh, specific songwriting style or is it is now is your style more, more kind of that Nashville style? How, how would you describe it? Uh, I, I don't really know how I would describe the style. I mean, it, I, I think it depends on who I'm writing with. You know I mean? There's some people who are great lyricists and not, um, they're not the, the music writers. So, you know, then it, then it becomes like whatever, whatever style I may be playing on, on guitar or piano or however we're writing. And then there's other people who are, um, who are really good on the music side of things and, and maybe lyrics aren't their strongest. And that, that seems like who I write the best with. Um, because I guess my style, I feel like I'm a much better lyricist than I am music. And I, I I have that, I'll have the song in my head, but transport, transposing that into sometimes what I hear in my head and what my fingers are doing on the guitar aren't the same thing. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I I really, I think my style is, yeah, just basically who I'm writing with. And, um, you know, obviously we all try to write what mainstream is and being in Nashville, obviously I write a lot of country. Um, so what's out there, you know, is it, is it the bro country or is it, you know, the, trying to get ahead of the game and figuring out where that trend's going to go next. Or, you know, is it, is it more of the traditional style? I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't really know if I've got a, um, a style that is one way or the other. It's just kind of, uh, you know, what's hitting me that day. Yeah. And the current, I mean, is it safe to say the current trend right now, or maybe it's going towards that is like the Chris Stapleton, more of the old school country. Is that something that's taking off or is he just, man, I hope so. Is, is he? Yeah. You know, okay. It, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to diss any, uh, any, uh, any of my buddies out there that write, you know, the 
quote unquote bro country or, you know, even sing it, you know I mean? I'm, I didn't even know that term before. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is that more of the pop country, the bro country? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I'll, I'll say Florida Georgia line as a, you know, as a, as a example of, of what we call bro country. And I, I can use them because they're, they're buddies of mine. You know, I mean, we, we hung out. I, I don't, I don't see or talk to them much anymore, but you know, we hung out a lot together, you know, back before they became Florida Georgia line, um, that style of music and, you know, Hey, it's, it's great. Um, it, it's different, you know, but my personal preference is man, Chris Stapleton, he, uh, you know, it was so funny this last year when he played on the awards with Justin Timberlake and everybody's like, Oh my gosh, this like newcomer to, to music. Well, guess what guys? He's not, he's not a newcomer. I mean, we've been, we've been listening to Chris and I've been following his music for 10 years in, in Nashville. The guy's an incredible singer, incredible songwriter. He's played the listening room several times. Um, you know, we've, we've become, you know, we're not like friends where we go hang out all the time, but we're acquaintances where he walks in the listening room and he's like, Hey man, we have good conversations and, um, he's just a really decent down to earth guy. And he opens his mouth and he, it's brilliance that, that comes out, you know what I mean? And I really, really, really hope that that's the trend that, that radio commercial radio is going to go towards, but Hey, you know what? The cool thing now is that, um, I don't want to get into the politics of, you know, Spotify and all these kind of things. Cause as a songwriter, I really hate those types of things. Um, but as a listener, it's great at the same time. So, you know, I kind of go back and forth, you know, I, I think that the people who spend their time writing songs and, and playing songs, they deserve to be paid for what, what they create, you know, they're the creators and they deserve to be paid for it. But, um, you, you know, I, I find myself not really listening to a lot of commercial radio anymore. Um, because, because of that reason, cause I don't like what's played. Um, I like the highway, you know, stormy Warren is a great friend of mine. And, um, I, I listen to, to the highway because they'll play whatever the hell they want. And yeah, they're going to spin Florida, Georgia line and, and those, those, uh, you know, bro country or mainstream, you know, commercial songs as well. But, you know, they're going to play the, uh, the highway finds and the Carly Pierce's and, um, the Smithfields and, um, you know, the, the Chris Stapleton's before other radio stations were playing Chris Stapleton. So I don't know, you know, it's, it's just more of a mix instead of the, the problem I have with mainstream radio and <clears throat> with, a you know, and I don't listen to a lot, but I come down here to hear what's new and in, in country. And a lot of times I'll get out of the car and I'll be hearing a song and then I'll go do a few things. I'll get in the car and then here comes that same song. And that's the only issue I have where it's just that limited amount of songs in a rotation. When somebody like Stormy is putting out playing things that really mean something to him. And then right. it's going, and, and then, so you're hearing the cool things and it's mixing it up just like the DJs back in the day when you could break an album or a track because that DJ is like, Whoa, listen to what I've heard. And then they're spinning it along with the other songs that are popular at the time, but can, can put something that they hear, they come to the listening room and, Whoa, I heard this song. Let me now, let me get the track when it's out and play that. Well, you know, I mean, if you go to McDonald's and, um, you want a, uh, bean burrito you're not going to get it right you know like <laughs> mcdonald's is a large major corporation mm-hmm. and you're going to get a quarter pounder with cheese yeah right that's the same thing with radio 
you know, I mean, you've got these massive uh, corporations that it doesn't matter um, what part of the country or the world that you are. If you if you are listening to one radio station in small town, whatever, versus another, you know, it's a it's a I, I, I call it a problem in a way, you know, it's, it's these major corporations that, you know, the, uh, the, the big boys that have one program director that they're getting the money from the labels to play this song. And so they're spinning it several times a day on every radio station because that's what they do. It's the same thing of like getting a bean burrito at, at McDonald's, you know I mean? McDonald's can't just do it because they want to and you know, in, in uh, Texas and they've got a lot of people that would eat a bean burrito. If you went through a McDonald's drive through, they can't just say, well, I'm going to start doing that because they're a franchise and they can't, you know? So it's, it's uh, a, a big thank you and um, an awesome thing like uh, to have the highway and, and people like stormy who, yeah, will play whatever the hell they want because there's two types of music. There's good and there's, bad and they're going to play the good music whether whether the label is saying play it or not if they hear chris stapleton's record and the quote-unquote single is not the one that they want to play guess what you think that's going to stop stormy from playing it hell no he's going to go you know what i like this song so i'm going to play it it's my show it's fantastic i love that and he's where can uh where can we find his show where can the listeners find his show yeah, it sounds like I'm doing a plug for Stormy Dunn, you know. I mean, you know, and there's still, I, I, he's still got rules, you know. I mean, there's still a, a, a major, you know, Sirius XM radio. So they've got rules too. They just have more leeway to do what they yeah. want. But So serious. Okay. But um, yeah, he's on Sirius XM, you know, Channel 59, the highway. Great. Um, so yeah. No, that's good. Buzz Brainerd, you know, is on there. Yeah, there's a, they're all all those guys. I, I My point really wasn't to to plug Sirius XM. No, but that's but, okay. If there's a good show out there that you feel strongly about, that's why this podcast, what I love about it is to tie all that together. Yeah. I just like that, that that's, they, 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 they're, they're able to play a lot more yeah. of what they want than, you know, some of these other, you yeah. know, plus he's a great guy. I met him a few times in the listening room. Yeah, he's so great. it's, yeah, that's, you know, I can share the love or, yeah. or give you a, a, you know, a voice here. But speaking of you also have done some radio, and are, are you still doing anything right now? I know you did something uh, where you were you were pushing some artists on on the internet. What t- tell us a little bit about that experience, and maybe what you have, what you're thinking about in the future? Yeah, so I've got my own show, uh, Chris Blair's Stories Behind the Songs, and um, I've done it. Uh, I've done it with a uh, couple independent radio stations, and um, you know it's been great. I'm I'm currently just uh, recording it. Um, on my own and doing kind of similar what you're doing and, and making my own podcast. Um, I have been talking to another radio station here in Nashville that, um, that is a possibility that I'll go back to, to that. Um, and I've even talked to stormy and the guys over at, at Sirius XM to, to take the idea to, to them. But, but yeah, what it is is basically a, a lot of what you're going to hear at, at the listening room and it's the stories behind the song. So it's, it's more of uh you know, hearing hearing more of the story of why someone wrote the song you know um you know finding out that you know 
Arlo Smith was sitting up on top of a mountain, you know, <laughs> when he wrote Mayberry for Rascal Flats. And I won't really go into a lot of the detail that happened on that mountain, but you know, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's it's kind of talking about cool things like that. So yeah, I'm I'm still working on that. Yeah, yeah, Arlo, like I enjoyed speaking with him, and that was he's, <laughs> he's awesome. He's his energy. He's just like. <laughs> Yeah, good dude, funny yep. guy, just yep. just out there, but in a, in a great way. That's so cool, man. That's so cool. Um, well, it wouldn't be, I wouldn't feel right if we didn't take at least a minute or so to discuss your love for the Cardinals. I mean, we're in, we're winding it up. This is you know a couple more questions, dude. But... I just got an email today about Cards home opener, and yeah. Uh, like yeah, so my brother and I go every year. Oh, you're getting me fired up, man! <laughs> I yeah. love it. Yeah, we have to get some. Uh, I have a few artist friends that have done some card uh, some Cardinals artwork, so we'll have to figure out. Uh, yeah, I have to get some in your office or somewhere display in the listening room, and and they're wanting to do more musical things. We'll have to talk about that some other time, but uh, yeah, I mean it's uh, I, I I'm it, it's no secret that I'm a huge Cardinal fan. And, um, you know, I mean, I even, uh, although he's not with us anymore, um, Albert Pujols, uh, I'm, I'm on the board of the Albert Pujols foundation. And that kind of ties into, you know, I started this, um, nonprofit, uh, through the listening room called, uh, sound good, do good. And I started that the year of the, the big flood here in Nashville. And, um, once a month I donate the room to, to give back to the community, whether that's somebody local or, you know, a major like St. Jude's or something like that. But, you know, I, I love uh, anything that I can do to, to take what we've built at the listening room and, and, and do a greater good with it. Um, so it's been really cool, you know, kind of tying back into the Cardinals. It's been really cool to get to know Albert and Dee, Dee um, on a, on a very small level, but get to know them as people instead of just this guy that I look up to as, you know, Cardinal guys, his, his pictures right up here, um, you know, on the, but you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome to be able to tie in my St. Louis ties to, to what we do giving back. And we just did, did a big uh, fundraiser for them. That's nice. And I was, I was going to end with the, the question, what are the highs and lows? And just knowing you as a person and knowing we've done the MS 150 a number of years and mm-hmm. raised money and have, uh, tortured ourselves at times, uh, on the road and maybe not have trained enough, uh, each of us at different times, but, uh, I see the smirk on your face right now. <laughs> so those listening, let me explain what Ken means by that. He trains and no, I, I don't every year. There's, I, I go 364 days without riding my bike. And then I think, Oh, I'll just jump on it and ride 150 miles. And one year you were riding beside me going up a hill while your hand was on my back and you're pushing me literally. We're like riding together up this hill because I'm dying but yeah, I and just, I felt good that I was <laughs> that I was that gave me a charge that I was able to do that. But but my main point is you're the kind of guy that will go through that pain because you're you feel in your heart you're doing some good. Yeah, and you know you you did your good by raising the money, but you you follow through and do the right even though it is a punishment at times. But yeah, that's just you know from my heart that that's just. I don't have the words right now, but I feel that that's just a good thing that I feel that you do with the charity and whatnot. And, and it's, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. So we'll have to talk about putting you in touch with some artists and figuring out Stephen Walden was another guest and, and John Webster, he'll, he'll be on a show in the future, but guys that want to do this kind of work and help out as well and, and really use their creative talents to help other people. So it's just, yeah, I just kind of got a little, little tongue tied there and a little, 
little choked up, man. But that's that's one of the great things that I, I love about you that that you are so willing to help other people and and with the songwriters they feel that way because you're you're giving them that place. You're like like you stated and you're kind of sacrificing some of the time that you have to write songs and be an artist to really promote promote the craft that you love, the craft of songwriting. So it's it's amazing. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. So uh I don't know on that I don't know if we can get any better than that. I mean granted you I took up a little bit of the time, but uh, I mean, any anything you want to end with? Is there anything that we didn't cover? No, I don't think so, man. It's just I appreciate you having me on, and um, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's what you're doing is great, and you know, getting to know people and, and giving the listeners, you know, a different perspective. And I'm honored to to be one of those people who you feel like you know people want to want to hear about. You know, it just for me, it's just I just do this because I love it, and. Um, yeah, there are a lot of highs and lows, you know, especially with, you know, not being able to focus as much on, um, on the writing and, and performing myself because of, because of the business side of, of having this, but the highs, you know, just so much more outweigh it, you know I mean? Just being able to help other people and, and, um, I mean, there's just so many stories of things that, that I did that I didn't even realize that I was doing that people would come to me afterwards and, um, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm blessed, uh, to, to have, have my faith and have, um, you know, the ability to get up every day and just continue to do what I love to do and, and have the support. So yeah. that's amazing. And I'm blessed to be sitting here with you having this conversation. Thank you so much, brother. Love you. Love you too, man. Thanks. At the end of my day. Through the laughter and the rainstorms You Law the meaning of my heartbeat And ooh Your fingertips make my knees weak Let's take the time like it's our only time And try to hold the night Stop this world from spinning Back to the beginning Whoa Consummate this love that you and I will make Something worth the saving Yeah, you were worth the waiting It's like you don't see That you could have anything Thank you for staying Thank you for waiting Waiting on me No It's our only time and try to hold the night Stop this world from spinning Back to the beginning Whoa, and I can't wait to consummate This love that you and I will make Something worth the saving You were worth the waiting It's like you don't see That you could have anything Thank you for staying
down the lights Yeah, we know where we're going, baby 